You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. Good morning. Yeah, last week we did our worship usually out of the ordinary, so I've kind of got to learn what ordinary is, or what usual and our usual routines are, and, and those routines have their place as far as Again, uh, re- it's good that when we walk through those doors or we sit in these pews and look around and see our brothers and sisters in Christ, that it feels natural, that it feels like we belong and that, you know. But there'll be some times, well, we might come and we'll throw you a curveball, maybe like last week. But um, at any rate, I'll reemphasize what I mentioned last week, and that is we're going to offer the invitation this week. Uh, at the end of my sermon, I'm, we're going to stand and sing, uh, like most churches I've been a part of over the course of my life. But I'll say this, if you need something, if you want to respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, stop me. Right wherever I'm at in my tracks and say, okay, I want to be a part of, my, of the Lord and Savior Jesus. I want to surrender my life to him, confess his holy name, be immersed in the waters of baptism and Anyway, if there's anything worth stopping a sermon for, that's it. So, <laughs> but I will say welcome, and this will be my last sermon for the Winsboro Church of Christ. I hope you hear it many, many times. I plan on preaching it many, many times over the coming years and decades, and until I retire or whatever happens in the future. I, I don't control the future any more than you do, but if I know when my last sermon is going to be, it's going to be this one. I actually intended this to be my first sermon. The coronavirus stuff through a curveball, uh, so things didn't go necessarily as planned, but this is going to be my first and my last sermon. It wasn't quite my first, but I'll still plan on it being my last, and I'll preach it many times in between. Not particularly this exact sermon. I'm not just going to hit the play button and, you know, uh, say the exact same things every time. There'll be different points made, different emphasis given, but it will come from this passage or the parallels in Luke or in Mark whenever Jesus said what the most important is. Now, I figure, you know, my last sermon, I, will, I would want to share with you what's most important. If I, imagine lying on your deathbed and getting one more chance to say something to your family. What would you say? Man, I like chicken nuggets. No. You would say something important, significant. And I would want to say the most important thing I could in that moment if I only had a few more words to speak. And so as a preacher, one day when I'll maybe address this congregation for the last time, I would share what I believe was most important. And here's the thing. It's not what I even believe is most important. It's what Jesus said is most important. We don't have to wonder what the most important thing to Jesus our Lord is. He told us plainly in Matthew chapter 22. He told us what is the first and greatest commandment. He was asked the question, which one? And this was a fairly common question among the rabbis. They would get together and discuss which commandment was the greatest. And some would have this idea, some have that idea. And some would have this idea. This is a verse, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. They, 
they quoted this verse all the time. It was like the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. If you've been around Christianity in any sense, in America especially, for the last 50, I'll go back further than that, 100 years, kind of, you know, John 3.16 has become a, it's always been a famous verse, but it's gotten even more so over the years in our modern times that you might not be able to quote any other verse in the Bible. You might not be able to recognize too many verses in the Bible, but you might get that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, it's a pretty common one. Like um, you know, Tebow put it underneath his eyes whenever he played football. And so that is a central verse that a lot, if you ask a lot of Christians, a lot of preachers, a lot of teachers, a lot of professors in Bible colleges, is that what's the most important verse of the Bible? A pretty common response would be John 3.16 because it sums it up. Well, in the Old Testament, in Jesus' day, they would say, well, what's the most important command? And this one was a common one that was given. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus wasn't rocking the boat with that statement. This was the most well-known verse to them because they recited it every single day. It was Jewish tradition and has been for thousands of years to recite that verse and the verses following it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. So Jesus, again, was saying something that most of the other rabbis and people there would say, oh yeah, that's that's a good one. That's, and many would say, absolutely, that's the greatest. And actually, in the Gospel of Mark, when he answers that, the guy responds and says, you're right, that is the greatest. He affirms Jesus' comment. And Jesus then says, and you're close to the kingdom of heaven, because you've got it as well. So they have that interchange. So it, it is, yes, what's most important? Loving God. We know that. I hope we know that. I want to reinforce it. And it's going to be reinforced. If I have my way, I'll reinforce it many, many times over the coming years. Because it's the greatest. We, that doesn't mean it's the only important one. I believe all the commands of God are as important. But we have to understand there might be many commands we're passionate about commands that you know we try to observe regularly for instance coming together on the first day of the week to break bread that's an example set for us in scripture you know that's how the early church did it in the book of acts that's how the early church did it it's how we do it and we put some emphasis on it and i think okay good we should take the lord's supper like jesus took of it with his disciples but i'll say this as important as the Lord's Supper is, and how it is at very much a centerpiece to our worship, as it should be, it's not the most important thing God cares most about. I'm not saying it's not unimportant. I believe we should do it, and we'll continue to do it. I look forward to it, as we should, partaking in that moment together, remembering Christ. But as far as if I was to give you a command that's the most important, that would not be it. The command to be baptized. As churches of Christ, we emphasize that as we should. I think scripture emphasizes it to be baptized, to be 
immersed into the waters to receive forgiveness of sins and to become a part of the kingdom of God and, and to be washed clean and our salvation. I'm, oh, yes, absolutely. I don't believe being baptized is the most important command. Why? Because Jesus said it wasn't the most important. He told me what the most important one was. Loving God. So we have to remember that. It doesn't mean don't get baptized. It doesn't mean don't take the Lord's Supper or many of the other things we do. But we have to remember there's only one number one. And it's loving God. But then... Jesus, after saying that and giving a pretty, quote-unquote, safe answer, if you were in the, discussing this with rabbis, you know, rabbis like to debate things like our politicians, or you can think of university professors tossing back and forth ideas. I mean, that's a very rabbinic thing to do, and Jesus was considered a rabbi, a teacher, with his followers, his disciples. Of course, we know he was so much more. He wasn't just a rabbi, son of God. So God himself, so this wasn't just a rabbi telling us what he thought. That's what the guy asking the question thought. Here's a rabbi, let's see what he thinks. He was talking to God himself. So this is the definitive answer. It is the one thing that's most important. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And then he does throw the curveball, as Jesus so often did. He gives them a twofer. You didn't ask, but let me tell you what number two is. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that was a fair, a fairly obscure command. It's tucked away in Leviticus even. Uh, kind of out of the way. And Jews in Jesus' time did focus on this command some, but most would not have put it way up at the top like Jesus does. But Jesus does. He, he, showed, he says, you know what the first one is, but did you know? Number two. And did you know that number two is like it? As in they go together. As in the two sides of the same coin. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How do you do that? Well, we show up and we worship, right? Part of it, yes. But if you want to know the clearest way to love God with all of your heart and soul and mind, it's love the person sitting next to you or across the the auditorium from you or the person down the street person in a different town when we love each other we are loving God there's no better way to show God our love than to love one another Um, if somebody told me Colby I love you I love you too I hope that I would be honest and genuine. But let's say somebody said, Colby, I love you. And Lisa and the kids, obviously, are not here this morning. Let's say Lisa and the kids, you know, we're here too. And they told me, I love you. And they gave me a big hug, patted me on the back. Said, I'm so glad you're here. And I, but then maybe I was preaching or doing something else. I saw them later. And they're talking to Lisa. And they're screaming at her, yelling at her, being ugly to her. 
putting her down, getting on to my kids, just being harsh and cruel and mean. That would make me think, I'm not so sure they love me. They might have said they did. But if they love me, then they would at least have a basic level of respect and appreciation and heart for the things that I love, for the, especially the people that I love. You want to show me you love me? Be kind and compassionate to my kids. And we're all children of God. So how do I show my father, your father, that I love him? Well, I love you. And you love me. That's why Jesus put these two together. Because they all agreed, yes, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and might. And they might have thought, you know, that means we tithe, we give. An important command that we still do today. We have the offering and we pray for the offering. Don't usually call it a tithe and don't check your bank account to make sure you're giving 10% or anything like that. No, we're trying not to be about, we're not about money, we're about God. But we do contribute to the common collection of our congregation to put our resources together to further what we can and around us and the ministries we have available to us and the work of the church. So we do that. And I know some people I mean, pass the tray and sometimes we say, let's give back to God. I got a secret for you. It's a uh, trade secret. We don't, cut, we don't cut God a check. We don't send him any money. I don't, have, I, mean, I don't have his mailing address. I know where he is, but I can't send them. We don't send them a check. Do you know what we do with this money? You know what the early church did with the money that they collected? They took care of each other. If somebody had a need, they'd help them out. The poor and the widow among them, when they needed help. A beautiful story of Barnabas bringing a gift after he had sold the field. He lays it at the apostles' feet. Why? So that the apostles could share it with those who are in need. There are many very poor people in the church in Jerusalem. Barnabas had a land. He, he was a person of some wealth, but he gave some of his up so that others could, the widows, the orphans, the, the, the vulnerable, maybe the homeless, the hungry, could have. And so, but you know what? He was giving it to God because that's how we show love to God. We show love to each other. If you want to give a gift to God, to God Give a gift to your neighbor. And Jesus said that. No uncertain terms that whoever gives a cup of cold water to a person in my name gives it to me. And that's how we show God love. And so Jesus says, they're like it. They go together. You want to show God love? You show love to his children. And we're all his children. However far that na- the neighbor on the other side of the world, as far as you could possibly get from a person, they're still your neighbor. Whether it's a physical distance or it's a political distance, if they're on the other end of the spectrum from you, still your neighbor. If they follow a different religion, doesn't mean that we should, I mean, as a neighbor, I would want to say, hey, let me show you who Jesus is. Because he's the one Savior who brings us to the Father. But I love them. I don't stop loving them. 
Because when I even I love the person who's very different from me, I'm loving God's child. Therefore, I'm loving my God, my Father. So they go together. That's an incredibly important statement. Jesus doesn't say in the second is, love your neighbor neighbor as yourself, as in here's the first command, here's the second command. This is the one that really matters. This is a pretty good one. No, he says this phrase, the second is like it. Two parts of the same command. You just didn't know it. To love God, you love each other. And all the law and the prophets depend, rely on these two commands. Every other command we have, like the command for the Lord's Supper. If you can do the Lord's Supper without loving God and loving each other, you're doing it wrong. That's what Jesus said. This command depends on loving God, loving each other. Any command, singing a melody in your heart, which we do, if you can do it without loving God and loving each other, you're doing it wrong. If you can give money, lots of money, because you're very wealthy, or you know you came into a a big inheritance. You know, let's say you give a lot of money to the church. Good job. I mean, that, that's a beautiful thing like Barnabas giving it to help out the church when it needed it. Here's the thing. Why did Barnabas give it? This, his nickname was Son of Encouragement. That wasn't the name they called him by, what Barnabas means. He gave it because he saw his brother and sister in need and thought, ah, I want to help you. That's love. So you see how, how every other command we would follow is built on and dependent upon love. And if you're not loving when you're doing it, you're wasting your time because you're not following the command that God gave you. And that's actually exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels, if I'm the best preacher you ever heard, That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. <laughs> I've heard some really good preachers much better than me, so I assume you probably have too over the years. The weird thing about putting my sermons online during all this is, man, there's some better online sermons than the one I'm going to make. I mean, there's some really good, polished, perfectly produced guys, you know, that can speak to that camera as if it's second nature. It was so awkward for me. It still is. But, like, you can find technically a better speaker, more fluent more able, that can deliver amazing messages. Speak with the tongues of men and angels. You know, that'd be, the, that'd be pretty cool. But Paul's, Paul says, the apostle, because he got this from his Lord Jesus, if you don't do it in love, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. You're not fulfilling the commands of God. Every other command depends on loving God, loving each other. And if you can do something in Scripture without loving God and loving each other, you've misunderstood. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, if I prophesy in all knowledge, if I'm so smart, but have not love, nothing. 
I'm an idiot. I don't understand the base things of God. I might be able to recite to you Greek and Hebrew and all this maybe impressive sounding stuff. But if it's not in love, speaking gibberish. That doesn't help anybody. Even surrender my body to the flames. To be a martyr. I don't know many martyrs who've died without loving their God. You know, if you're going to do that, that's pretty impressive. So I'm, in, in all those things, preaching, teaching, sharing, giving, worshiping, built into them is loving God. We just have to remember that. And that's what I want to do this morning. And many times I'm going to reinforce these verses later. And maybe my last sermon someday, if I know when it's coming. I'll say, you know what's most important? You know, every, every other command in Scripture, all the law and the prophets depend. They hinge, they hang on this one two-sided command. Because the second is like it. Love God, love each other. You're going to hear this sermon again. So I hope you liked it. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm going to preach other things too, but I always want to keep turning us back. I want to keep turning myself back. Because we can lose the forest for the trees. We can get so caught up in all the other amazing things of Scripture. There's a lot of good things in Scripture. There's a lot of great things in Scripture. Over the years, I want to dig into all of it. There's only one greatest. And it's this command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And when we think about becoming a Christian, anybody who wants to can get wet. It's really easy. We get it wet all the time. Take a bath, take a shower, go swimming, whatever. This isn't about getting wet. This is about loving God. Letting Him change you. And then with a new life saying, I want to love like God loves with my life others. So you see how love is built into this? Love is built into the communion. Love is built into the worship. Love is built into everything we should be doing. Rightly so. Because all the law and the prophets depend on it. So nobody interrupted me this morning. That's okay. You interrupt me next week. But we'll say this. We are about Jesus. We're focused on Jesus. And if Jesus says something's important, we say it's important. If he says it's the most important, we say it's the most important. Because he's our Lord. He's our King. He's our Savior. And if you want him to be your king and your Lord and your Savior, you don't have to be perfect. Goodness, we're not perfect. (laughs) You just have to say, God, I love you. I want to give myself to you. And you have to be able to look at everybody else and share that love with them too. That's what we're about. It's what baptism is about. And if you have that need to be baptized this morning or whatever we can help you with, Pray for you, whatever it might be. Now's the time. Anytime's the time. But we're going to stand and sing. And uh, thank you so much. Let's pray together first, though. Before we stand and sing, let's pray together. Father, help us love you. 
open our hearts to know what love is and help us put our love for you at your feet and also at the feet of everyone else, Father, as we love each other. Help us hear the words of Jesus and believe them, take them to heart, and to know that it's the most important thing you want from us. So help us to do it, Father. Help us to do it well so that the world will look at us and know us by our love. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.